0: What is going on, everyone? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and this is another compilation episode, but what we're gonna focus on is something that is mostly overlooked and forgotten when it comes to anything training-related, and we're gonna talk about ankles, feet, and toes. So I've done three previous episodes to this specific topic, and I wanted to bring them all together because there's a lot of information on this topic itself. And it's something that I bring up to clients all the time when it comes to squat mechanics, lunging, walking, running, single leg balance, you name it. Our feet and ankles have a huge, 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 huge influence on everything that we do. So the first two episodes are short and then the third one is a long one. The two short ones are my car vlog style things. And I kind of just open up the conversation when it comes to anything ankle or feet related and the third one the longer one we actually get into a lot more in-depth exercise selection why the toes are important why the ankles are important when it comes to exercise and the biggest thing I always tell people is like when I do an assessment I look at how the big toe moves and if the big toe can't move, then there's going to be a lot of issues biomechanically for every single exercise. So, the reason why it's so important and why a lot of practitioners will kind of refer to the big toe as the great toe is because when you think about creating movement and propulsion and power, your big toe, imagine my thumb is the big toe, is the first thing that goes into contact with the ground to push you forward when you take a step. Now imagine if this big toe doesn't move the way it should or activate the way it should, then most likely your squat, your lunges, your walking, your running, anything athletic single leg is probably not going to look the best or function the best, meaning you won't get the full benefit out of the exercise or workout that you're going through. And again, a lot of times when it comes to shin splints or knee pain, hip pain, low back pain, sometimes it's the big toe or the foot in general that's not moving the way it should, and there's a lot to it. So something as simple as if you look at the anatomy of our hands and our feet, they're very, very, very similar, but our hands get so much sensory information every single day and our feet don't really get that much. So then over time, our feet's um, musculature goes into atrophy, meaning becomes uh, weaker and less active, and it doesn't influence as much as it should when it comes to exercise. So I wanted to kind of give a little brief overview of what we're going to get into. So here is the three episodes that I've done on ankles, feet, and toes. Here we go. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I am your lovely host, Rafal Matuszewski, and this is another edition of my podcast car vlog thing that I do. Um, What I'm gonna talk about today, oh, my camera is just falling all over the place, um, is gonna require some visual thinking and just visuals in general. Um, we're gonna talk about the ankle today. So, when it comes to exercising well, exercises involving the lower extremities, meaning your legs, biomechanically, you need quite a bit of dorsiflexion to do things like squats, lunges, step-ups, and even things like you pushing a sled that requires a certain angle at your ankle and your big toe and also something called your midfoot to do the activity correctly without, you know, putting any kind of sheer forces in um, places where they shouldn't go. And looking ahead at this traffic, I think I'm gonna have enough time to describe all this. So if you know anything about anatomy or somewhat of anatomy, you probably understand that there are two bones in your shin called your tibia and your fib, right? Your fibula. Um These two bones work along, e- along each other and kind of create this, um, I almost call it like a fork. So I'm kind of pointing down with my two fingers and they kind of sit on top of your ankle joint that has things like the talus and the calcaneus, right? So when your knee goes forward, for example, in a lunge or a squat, those two bones that make up your shin, should articulate, meaning move in a certain way, in conjunction with the talus bone, and all the little bones in your foot that make up the ankle joint, the midfoot, and the heel, which is your calcaneus. And when people don't have the mobility in those ankles, a lot of times you'll see people and they squat, they kind of get to their end range, and they like shift their hips back and they almost feel like they're falling over due to the lack of mobility in their ankles. But to take kind of of a step further than this, a lot of times when I do this with uh, new clients or patients, I also check their hip mobility because usually when you think it's like an ankle issue, you look at um, the hips and it's like, whoa, their hips are really shitty. So maybe it's not their ankles, it's actually their hips and then you test their ankles and you're like, oh, your ankle mobility's fine, it's just your hips. But say for the sake of this episode, um, we're talking about just ankle stuff today. So if you know you are a person with really bad ankles, really bad, and you've had a history of like even spraining ankles too, because this is another thing we're gonna get into. And say you know that you have tight ankles because when you go foam roll before a workout, they're just super tight and jacked up, they could be rock hard or um, you just know that when you go to physio or massage and they work on your ankles, they're just freaking terrible and painful. So when it comes to having adequate dorsiflexion, meaning you trying to drive your knee forward over your toes. Um, which is dorsiflexion, and plantar flexion is think of you trying to plant your foot down to the ground and push off. So when you do like a calf raise, that's plantar flexion. Dorsiflexion is where you push your knee forward over your toes. So in order to have adequate dorsiflexion, um, the musculature and the tissue on the backside of your calf needs to have some sort of give in order to, you know, provide you with adequate dorsiflexion. So sometimes the first, you know, step of defense or offense in this case, if you think about it, to improve your uh, ankle mobility to move better is some soft tissue stuff. So this is where, you know, foam rolling, you using a lacrosse ball, whatever it is on your calves before a workout or on a daily basis as like a... Um, mobility enhancement tool, whatever you want to call it, um, is kind of the first line of defense. And when it comes to um, manual therapy that's a whole other layer that you can add because you will gain some range of motion when you uh, see a physical therapist or a chiropractor uh, to release some soft tissue, maybe mobilize the joints in the ankle, knee, whatever it is, and boom, you got some more range of motion. Um, When it comes to having adequate dorsiflexion, a lot of people go like, oh, I'm just gonna do ankle mobility drills, right? And yeah, they can work, but they'll get you only so far. So when you look at the dynamic of how the foot works, so if you imagine when you go into plantar flexion meaning the toes go down onto the ground when you're walking your foot is going to go into pronation right so think of it if you have your heel on the ground and you're taking your step your big toe when it's trying to push off your foot's going to go into inversion meaning like the pronation um, where your arch will kind of lean into the inside of your midline and then as you push off your foot will go into supination over to the other edge of the foot and you have this constant kind of like tilting action at the ankle right so if you think about it every step you take is a series of plantar flexion and dorsiflexion as well as pronation and supination of the ankle joint itself. So, really, your ankle actually goes through a rotational movement um, while walking, while squat, uh, I won't get into that, while walking, and especially when you're lunging, right? So, given that, a lot of ankle mobility drills tend to focus on only plantar flexion and um dorsiflexion which is okay but it can only get you so far so going off of that logic it makes sense to train your foot to go into pronation and um, supination and train those um, planes of motion right so if you've been following my work for a while you know I'm a huge advocate of functional range conditioning, you probably know that I teach kin stretch, and you probably know if you've been following me recently that I've taken my functional release therapist course for the upper extremity. And we utilize something called pails and rails for a lot of um, exercises, mobility exercises to unlock um, some new range of motion. So what I usually give to people to increase their dorsiflexion is pails and rails in a dorsiflex position essentially. So if you go to a half kneel position and you think of driving your knee past your toe and getting to your end range, that would be the stretch you'd stay in and you do pails and rails in that. So for those people who don't know what pails and rails stands for because it's a an abbreviated term, it's progressive and regressive angular isometric loading. Meaning, I hold the stretch for two minutes, and then when I get to the point of that two minute mark, I do an isometric contraction, and with pales it's progressive, so if I'm stretching my ankle into dorsiflexion, my pales contraction would be my toes pushing into the ground for about 10 seconds, I would let go of that contraction and usually what happens is kind of like PNF stretching. You'll notice that you'll be able to get a little bit more range of motion because you did an isometric contraction. Then from there I would do a rails, meaning regressive, so I'm going to regress the angle of my dorsiflexion, meaning I'm going to try to drive my toes up off the ground to lower, uh, close the angle of the stretch. and this um mechanism of attacking the joint um, in both directions and I do this constantly to reinforce in the nervous system and influence the muscle cells to rebuild and remodel the way I wanted to. all right? so, now that I'm doing ankle mobility drills of dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, and pails and rails in dorsiflexion, I should be able to get more range of motion. But but I'm limited because what we just talked about when I move my foot into a walking pattern into gait, we spoke about how it goes into pronation and supination as well so think about almost like a teeter-totter going back and forth right so that's essentially what your ankles doing so if I'm only training in this linear fashion of dorsiflexion and um, plantar flexion geez I'm like, running out of brain cells today um, I'm leaving a lot on the table because I'm not training what my ankles designed to actually do so that being said wouldn't it make sense to train my ankle joint um, in inversion and eversion meaning pronation supination right so something as simple as going back into that half kneel position where I'm leaning forward into dorsiflexion to stretch out my ankle having my foot, so say I'm using my right foot and attacking the right ankle, and turning it out to the right a little bit further, and then going into the uh, dorsiflexion stretch. So I am in in dorsiflexion, but if you imagine turning your uh, foot out to the right, your inside of your foot will fall into pronation just slightly. So now we're getting that tilting effect like that teeter-totter, and working pronation and dorsiflexion at the same time. And then I would do the same thing, going back to neutral with my foot, and then turning it in towards my midline, and now when I go into dorsiflexion with my ankle, I'm also working some supination. So now I'm working all the parameters of what my ankle joint is supposed to do on a daily basis and then if you think about it that way if our ankle joint is meant to be a rotational joint then you would want to do things like ankle cars so again if you haven't followed my stuff cars is an abbreviation for controlled articular rotations meaning putting your joints through the range of motion that it's designed to move in. When you do this, you reinforce to the body and the nervous system that that joint is supposed to move that way, and you're constantly reinforcing the information that your ankle joint, for example, is more than just going into um, plantar flexion and dorsiflexion constantly. So this is where kind of the magic happens because a lot of people, roll their ankles like crazy and that being said it's because the tissues that are responsible for pronation and supination have not been trained outside of just going into dorsine plantar flexion right so if you train those tissues train the joint to be versatile in different environments this is how you literally become more bulletproof and if you bought my ebook the ironclad body training system this is a selfish plug I go into just kind of like scratching the surface of pails and rails and how to become bulletproof so then when you go into real-life situations when you pick up your kid or you run after them and they run off to the other direction and you cut on the grass your ankles not gonna buckle over and you're gonna tear something right this is how you become resilient so when you apply all these principles and now when you retest your squat, and say you've been doing this kind of protocol of pails and rails and different, um, all different um, motions the ankle can do, and you do ankle cars and all those things and some soft tissue stuff with a practitioner, and you go squat, lunge, you'll notice that the mechanics improve drastically, right? So. That was a lot of information, really, really quickly. <laughs> but these are the things that people need to know and understand about their body in order for them to move and feel better. So if you want, guys want more context, maybe I'll actually put a presentation together because I haven't done this in so long to kind of show um, the concept behind how the ankle actually moves the right um, way in a perfect case scenario so i'm going to leave it there hopefully i blew some people's minds about how your ankles work when it comes to squatting lunging doing step ups and pushing a sled so if you want more info feel free to reach out message me on instagram facebook whatever it is so if you don't follow me hit the show notes and i have the link for my facebook and instagram i think on there so do that ask me questions that'd be great I love you guys. Thank you for the support. Until next time. Hello, everyone, podcast listeners, internet people. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I am your lovely host for Val Machashefsky, and I got a motherfucking migraine today. Just terrible, terrible. Here is a fun fact about my migraine journey. I have figured out that my migraines only happen on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays of the week. And only on days where the weather changes drastically. So today when I woke up, it was sunny. Then it went into this like dark and gloomy day where it looked like it was about to rain and now it's bright sun. And again, my camera is being terrible. Um, So that being said, The only thing that fixes my migraines is sleep. So I'm hoping to go home and like take a 15 minute nap type of thing. Um, But regardless, you gotta just move on. Move on with your day. Um, Shout outs, let's do this. I'm gonna try to be as charismatic as possible while dealing with this bullshit in my head. Um, number one, new city. All the way in the state of Ohio, a city called Harrison. i say that's a place in there. So again, I read that really quickly, but regardless, state of Ohio. Shout out to everyone in Ohio listening to my show. Um, number two, Phoenix, Arizona. Shout out to everyone in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, And number three, all the way in the UK, is the city of Aberdeen. Shout out to everyone in the UK listening to my show. That's super awesome. I love international um, listeners. Today, what we're going to talk about, and I might have multiple parts to this, but we're going to talk about our feet, because they are integral to movement, everyday life, exercise especially. And it's a complex structure. And I remember reading that, I think it was Leonardo da Vinci saying that the human foot, specifically the arch, is the most sophisticated piece of our anatomy in our body. Because if that thing doesn't function properly, everything goes to shit, (laughs) literally. And it's it's true, that's what usually happens. So, that being said, um, we're gonna start with what our foot needs to do if we're doing an exercise, say like a squat, a lunge, or whatever it may be. So, imagine you squatting In order for it to look good, it starts from the ground up. So if you think about how you develop as a baby, you start on your back, you start moving your hands and legs and head, and eventually you transition over to rolling, you're now on your hands and knees, you're crawling, eventually you get into a split stance, or a squat position, and then you come up from it. So really a squat starts from the bottom up and it starts with our feet. And in a proper squat, when you start looking at how people place the pressure on their feet, it makes a huge difference. So I want you to imagine kind of a tripod position of your feet. So it starts with the heel, the big toe, and kind of the pinky toe. And to be more specific, kind of like the first toe, kind of where the joint is, is where the pressure should be, and then where your fifth toe is, where the joint is, like the metatarsal part, that big bony part, is the third piece to a perfect planted foot while squatting, single leg deadlifting, lunging, whatever have you decided to do that day for a leg exercise. I made an analogy of a um, Harry Potter reference, so if you met, remember, I think it's in, let's go with the movies, because not everyone has read the books. I believe it's the Deathly Hallows part one, if I have not mistaken where the Death Eaters are chasing Harry and Hagrid in his little motorcycle with the um, attachment that Harry's sitting in. And I want you to think of how integral that piece of machinery is when it comes to driving. So it has kind of like three points of contact, right? Harry's little point of contact and then the two wheels of the motorcycle. So you have three wheels. And imagine if one of those wheels just stopped working, the whole thing will just fall apart and kind of crumble. And you kind of get a glimpse of that when Heger gets stunned by a spell and he's like passed out and now that motorcycle's going all over the place. And that's what essentially happens to our body when we don't have full contact with the floor or your shoes and you're not thinking about placing pressure in those three points. Things fall apart and it travels up the chain of command, aka the rest of your body. And you end up doing some weird looking stuff when you try to squat. Now, what can happen is depending on where you're at with foot stability, foot strength, and just overall foot health, which is a whole nother topic that we can get into. Um, you might end up pronating or supinating the foot. And a lot of times what I've seen when people have poor squat mechanics, and especially people that have knee pain, they tend to pronate their foot, meaning it collapses in, and you know, people know the terminology of like a collapsed arch, they fall into their arches. Now imagine if you have that You know three wheeled motorcycle from harry potter and we just take off the front wheel it's going to fall all over the place and be super floppy so by pronating like just if you're like watching at home i have my hand straight out and my right hand and now imagine you squatting with a perfectly flat palm like this you'll be able to spread the floor you'll be able to you know hold your balance you'll be able to do a lot of things but now imagine if I drove my big thumb down and in already I'm feeling like torque on my wrist and it doesn't feel that good right now imagine me placing a body on top and I squat like that most likely the inside of my ankle is going to take some ground to work but also the inside of the knee is going to take a lot of the work and over time people are gonna have painful knees You know, and this happens in athletes a lot of times when they get knee pain, especially immediately. um, And you ask them like, oh, what hurts the knee? What movements? And if they're a running athlete, for example, they're like, oh, when I run, it's fine. When I cut, when I whatever, it just doesn't hurt at all. But if I squat, single leg squat, I get pain right away. And that just tells me that in a loaded position, the knee's just taking the grunt of the work because the foot can't properly stabilize, right? And eventually that can travel up to the hips and cause even more issues. But the big thing here is to ensure that one, we don't have like a foot dysfunction, and I put that in air quotes because it's like the worst way to describe what's going on with someone's uh, feet, but sometimes our feet are just not um, strong enough or haven't been challenged enough to actually do its job. And I see this all the time when I teach my kin stretch class and we go into simple like foot intrinsic exercises where I literally just ask people, lift your big toe off the ground and put it back down without lifting all the other toes. And what happens? People can't do it. All their other toes come up, or they physically don't move, and they look at me like I'm crazy. They, they're they like, what do you mean lift my big toe up? And that already tells me that you know their first point of contact when it comes to um, pressing off for a, a run or a lunge or something, they can't actually physically push down to activate all those muscles um, that are kind of laid into where that arch is. So like I was literally just doing it now, like as I'm pressing my brake going down this hill, I'm pushing with my big toe down and I feel my entire arch kind of activate right off the bat. If you can't do that, what's gonna happen is that, yeah, your whole ankle is just gonna pronate down and fall and collapse in and now your knees now I'm going to take all that excessive, excessive uh, pressure so really when it comes to squatting lunging running everything it comes from the bottom of your foot of how you're placing and distributing pressure if you can't stabilize from the foot up 100% down the road you're going to have an injury in the knee and a lot of times too like if you look at the stats of how many ACL and MCL surgeries are happening especially in the states and again bigger population and a more athletic population it's staggering like and especially like young athletes that are expected to do so much in their careers it's a little scary so when i see a young athlete or a crossfit athlete in the clinic and they got some knee pain going on we automatically look at what's going on with their feet and they usually have terrible sense of placing pressure in the right areas. So an easy drill is to start using those foot intrinsic uh, exercises on the toes, but also um, being able to get into a squat position where you physically feel your heel, your um point of where your big toe joint is, and also where your pinky uh, toe joint is, and try to place pressure in those three points to evenly distribute your body weight. And then start descending into a squat, uh, like a body weight squat, to see if you can shy away from the pain. And a lot of times when I coach a proper squat, with those things in mind, A lot of those issues just go away. And now, you know, I kind of reprogrammed a simple little movement pattern and behavior that someone has adapted and eventually the pain goes away. Sometimes it's that simple, but again, sometimes there's some underlying other issues that could be happening. But for the most part, it just comes down to finding um, pain-free, Movement behaviors. So many times people move in terrible ways, it becomes a habit, and that's all they know. And you have to just retrain the brain to do other um, pathways that are pain free. Now, imagine your feet are just not cooperating. You're probably going to have to do a little bit more work. And this is where I kind of enjoy getting people training barefoot uh, at home at the gym if they can um, just to get a little bit more proprioception in the foot and a lot of times people will find that they'll fatigue so quickly like so quickly and um, that being said sometimes you can just start uh, a little bit slower and like say if your workouts are an hour train barefoot for just a warm-up that's like 15 or 20 minutes whatever it is and slowly build up so then eventually you can go a whole hour barefoot right I think I'm gonna leave it there because I can like literally talk for another two hours about the foot but the biggest takeaway on this is to imagine those three points of contact imagine you are hairy being chased by the Death Eaters and you're in that three little wheeled uh, motorcycle and you need to have those three points of contact in order to get away from the death eaters, aka pain, (laughs) and a good looking squat. Well, you're not getting away from a good looking squat, you're gonna achieve a good looking squat. Um, So, the next time you're in the gym, try going barefoot or working out at home, try going barefoot. In part of your warm-up, go barefoot and try to distribute your weight on those three points as you do slow and controlled body weight squats to see and feel the difference. And 100% that's gonna improve your barbell back squat, your front squat, any kind of squat variation there is. And also get those feet a little bit stronger, a little bit healthier, that will prevent any kind of injury. So that's it for me. Thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are so amazing. All the people around the world listening to my podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't understand how much it means to me to see people outside of where I live that listen to my show. Thank you so much. Um, hit the show notes, add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram. I post a lot of stuff. Um, give me a five star review wherever you're listening, you know, if it's Spotify iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, Google Play, whatever it is, please, 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 give me a five-star review so I can reach more people. That's it for me, you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are awesome. What's up, my podcast listeners? Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafal Majdziowski, and we are getting really, really close to my 400th episode. Fuck, that is crazy to me to think that. I will be at that milestone really 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 soon um and now i recently just got uh, a brand new listener that reached out to me saying like oh i just like started listening to your first episode and honestly that first episode is so bad so bad i was so nervous and i apologize for anyone brand new listening to my show that went that far back to listen to my first episode I promise it gets better, I promise. Um, So before I get started today, we got to do some shoutouts because I am quite popular in the state of Texas right now. Uh, My first top three cities are all in Texas. So first city in Texas is Dallas and then we have El Paso and Plano. Plano, Plano, hopefully I said that correctly. But yeah, three cities in Texas. Shout out to everyone in Texas listening to my show. And number four. I believe this might be the first time this country's ever been on my top ten. Uh, I'm pretty sure they've popped on, like, top 20 at least. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this city's name. But here Hugo Ward, Hero ho go word out of the Netherlands, I'm sorry, um, yeah, I'm totally terrible at pronouncing other cities from outside of Canada and the States, so I apologize, um, but yeah, shout out to everyone in the Netherlands listening to my show, super, super cool, all right, so, I'm going to close this up, topic for today, we are going to talk about foot and toe mobility, and health and strength and all that fun stuff because um, one, I did get a request to do this and two, literally right before I just, um, what's it called, Uh, started recording this, I posted a entire toe activation mobility series that I'm gonna go over in this uh, video and also kind of talk about the importance of having adequate control of feet so if you look at um the design of our hands and feet they're very very identical very 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 similar um even bone structure i believe i can have this mixed up and i think i said this on my show before that it's either our hands or our foot um one of them has 26 um bones and the other one has 27 so they're very very identical so when it comes to these two joints in particular um they showcase a lot of similar traits but the only difference is, is that we have our feet constantly covered by um our socks and shoes almost all day and if you're the typical person when they come home they don't typically go barefoot in like slippers and socks or whatever else thing that you wear at home and it's a shame because we are you know Dr. Andrew Spino would always say this basically putting little casts on our feet and you expect your feet to react the way that they're designed when you do something active um, especially something like running that requires all those small little intricate muscles in the foot to function the way that they're designed so imagine you taking your hands and putting like mittens on them and then trying to go on your iPhone and try to like swipe left right and text it you wouldn't really get that far and you don't have that tactile touch right so our hands like our hands exposed to our daily environment gets a lot of good feedback and you know it can adapt to that feedback our feet don't really get that And, you know, this whole um, topic of foot health and foot strengthening really will come down from the work of, um, I always butcher her last name and I've had her on my show, Dr. Emily Spickle. I'm pretty sure it's Spickle. She is literally the person that I've learned so much from. Um, I was first exposed to her at a conference probably now seven or eight years ago, and it just blew my mind how much she knew about the foot. And she's actually um, a surgeon by trade, so she actually knows a lot about the foot. Um, when it comes to the surgery side but then she also realized that every time she did a surgery to like say fix a bunion or some other foot thing um, she actually made the patient a lot worse down the road um, then actually better and you know this whole idea of surgery um, When it comes from like a biomechanical standpoint again this is my opinion and the opinions that i've heard from other fitness professionals that are more so on the rehab rehab side i can't speak today um that have seen patients post-op when it comes to these things and they all kind of said the same thing is like you know a surgeon kind of looks at a problem like okay my door is not closing, I'm gonna shave off the door and now it closes. Whereas like a exercise physiologist, a physiotherapist, chiropractor that works with patients, post-op or pre-op, whatever it is, they don't look at like, oh, the door's not closing, I'm gonna, and they wanna shave it off, I'm gonna look at the hinges, maybe there's something wrong there, and let's fix that problem instead, right? And a lot of times, surgery on these kind of things will lead to some improvement, um, from like a pain standpoint of like say your pain out of 10 is a 7 and you get surgery and now you're down to a 5, but it's still there, right? It doesn't really take away the problem and then say 10 years down the road, you're kind of back to square one and things are kind of worse and maybe something else is bugging you now and the foot is kind of one of those things. So, you know, say you've been walking in a certain gate for your entire life and now you have to get some sort of surgery on your foot because X, Y, and Z, let's just not get into the different things out there you get surgery for. Um, and then, you know, pain goes away, your foot's awesome, but now you're getting like medial knee pain for some reason, and then your hip and low back hurts for some reason, all because of what happened down below in the foot or your toe, whatever it is. Um, and that's what um, Dr. Emily Spickle, I'm just gonna call her Dr. Emily from now on because I don't want to keep butchering her name if I'm doing it wrong. Um, that's what she re- quickly realizes that she was actually making her patients worse with these traditional um, surgeries for the foot. And then she kind of ventured in like, okay, what are you know corrective exercises or a way to like rebuild the foot from the ground up. And um, she's now quite the educator in that realm so I highly recommend you check her out or even go to the episode um what's it called um within my podcast it would have been like two years from now like uh, from this date uh, that I had her on my show and then I had another um surgeon for ankles feet and toes can't even remember his name now Because he actually reached out to me, which was pretty cool to have a surgeon reach out to me to get on a podcast. And he was really, really knowledgeable as well. Both are actually, funny enough, from New York. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, um, so that being said, the people that are listening, um, there's going to be a large portion of this episode where I'm going to showcase my foot and all the exercises that you should be doing. But let's get a little bit back into um, the... Structure and function of the foot. So, when you think about it, um, when you walk, there is a series of events that has to happen at the foot in order for you to propel yourself forward. So, if you think of a heel strike going first, a little bit of uh, supination, meaning you're going to go to the outer portion of your foot. And then you're going to pronate down towards the big toe and then you're going to push off the big toe to propel yourself forward. So it's almost like a heel out in down to push yourself over, um, well forward, sorry. And a lot of times when people don't have strong enough feet, they'll do weird things like they'll like overly pronate or overly supinate or, you know, they're flat footed, whatever it is. Um, and the big thing that people need to do is start training barefoot and start rebuilding their arch rebuilding the small intrinsic muscles and um, a guy way 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 before his time um, named Vladimir Yonda who was a physiotherapist probably back I want to say in the 50s or 60s um, coined and created I believe this is how as far back as I could find um an exercise called short foot that would help rebuild the arch and you know a lot of people out there will utilize this or they've heard it a lot of physios chirals use it too and it's such a small little movement to rebuild and like I'm a type of person that like if there's a training concept rehab concept whatever it is I want to go back to the source I don't want to go to the person that's just re-irritating the information because sometimes you know their take on it might be a little bit different from what the original person you know designed that for and um, sometimes just the the language or how they describe it from the very beginning kinda gives you a little bit more um, context and you'll understand it so when you think about going back to the source is literally kind of like the best way to understand a concept because a lot of times when people reiterate a a message it's kind of um, lost or kind of diluted a little bit but long story short uh, Vladimir was way beyond his time he understood the body quite quite well and now you see a lot of physios and chiros utilizing his methods and principles and things like that when it comes to understanding the body so it's super cool when you kind of go down that rabbit hole but anyway um that being said um maybe we should actually start going into these exercises so i'm going to tilt this guy down so you can see my foot so short foot if you look at my foot the idea is to get this arch activated so the big toe that's on the ground, you wanna think of literally shoving it into this big joint. So you're kind of, you wanna think of pulling like this, but this joint right here that's popping off the ground like I can put my finger under it, should stick to the ground as hard as possible. So I'm literally just pulling in and down, pulling in and down. So when you see my next pull, you already see that arch activating, and relax, pull, relax, it's a small, small little movement, and a lot of people have trouble trying to figure out how to do that without like curling their foot in like this, and what's funny about um, this little exercise, this little short foot that I'm doing over and over again, it's a small little, little thing, but if you put your fingers like on your arch underneath here and you start doing that, you can feel the small little intrinsic muscles um, contract. And the funny thing is like, if you are a kettlebell person and you start doing swings, or if you watch someone doing swings barefoot and you watch their arch, every time they drive the kettlebell back and as they get to the top of their swing and they snap their hips, you see their arch literally fire up to root themselves into the ground. And I would classify a kettlebell swing as a way to build up your arch. And there's a reason why um, people in the kettlebell world utilize um, barefoot training, right? So um, it builds strong feet, and people miss that mark a lot and we just need more stimulation of that foot. Um, A lot of times when people try to, you know, go down the barefoot um, craze, they kind of do too much too soon, and then end up with more problems. But if you look at um, kind of the progression, if someone were to start training barefoot, like. The easiest thing is like in your warm-up, go barefoot, right? Don't just go the entire hour now barefoot training because you're going to fatigue those muscles. You're going to make them worse, right? It's kind of similar to like, oh, I want to start running. You're not going to go run a full marathon this weekend. You're going to like build up to it. Same thing with um, barefoot training, right? Like you can overly strain. You can do more damage than... um, do more harm than good, right? So short foot is kind of the first um, progression I get people doing when trying to rebuild their arch. It's that small little pull. Um, That is a great starting point. But then the other aspect to it, like depending on what you're dealing with, is um, just doing some soft tissue work. Because sometimes uh, what I find with people's feet is they're, they're very, very, very stiff and we haven't even really got up to the chain of like the ankle itself but the bottom of your foot and i'm literally showing my foot to the camera like there's a lot of fascia and soft tissue in there before it gets into the bone like it's thick it's really 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 thick and in order for that to stuff to loosen up one you have to add some like movement for it to kind of reinforce to the nervous system that that particular said tissue needs to move right? It's the said principle, right? It's, it adapts to a specific stress. So if I'm stressing my feet to move outside of their normal of being in a sock and shoe all day, then the little muscle cells that are in there that are responsible for movement um, are going to adapt to that stress. So that being said, um, literally getting a lacrosse ball, tennis ball, Uh, Golf ball at the bottom of the foot just to start moving um, That tissue will help Um, if he went through like a standpoint of like rehab like Depending on how bad your feet are you can get rock taped you can get kinesio tape same thing Um, Cupping can be done you can do some instrument assisted and you can literally get some like soft tissue work from a manual therapist to kind of move the process a little faster, but if you're not going down that route, then you have your short foot, you have your soft tissue. And we're gonna get into the other exercises right now as well. I'm gonna tilt this camera down. Now, if you look at my foot that's super white. (laughs) Sorry, sorry people at home, I'm blinding you right now. In my kin stretch class, I do this every single time. And actually another thing to note, If you look at my foot, there is a huge gap between my big toe and my rest of my toes. And that is a good um, inclination of uh, balance. So if you look at um, chimpanzees, for example, or just monkeys in general, their feet are literally like my hand. So where my thumb is and where my fingers are, there's a huge separation. And that allows them to spread out more to have more of a base of support. So then it can literally wrap around a branch and now they have really, really good balance and stability, right? A lot of times people's feet, um, the big toes kind of like smushed in like this against their other toe. And then you'll see already like this big knuckle here, a lot of people will get that bunion form because they're wearing shoes that literally goes into this like triangle position and just scrunches up the feet together like this and over time, like, again, our body adapts to the stress you put on. it. It's if I'm wearing a shoe like this that's cut, crushing my fingers together, and think about what I was just saying about how uh, a step happens. You go on your heel, you're supposed to go down, out to the side, into the um, into pronation, and then the big toe pushes off for propulsion, right? So if I have this all crumbed together like this, the only really way to do it, like, it's, it's really awkward to do it with my hands, though, um, heel out and then pronate. So if I'm pronating with this kind of position of my toe in the shoe, like this is gonna take up a lot of stress and your body's gonna build more calcium around that to protect that joint and then boom, you've formed a bunion and eventually that's gonna get super um, pain uh, painful. But if you train your feet, and you wear proper footwear, you're gonna end up with space in between to give you more balance. I feel like a gymnast, they have the same um, the same foot setup, or someone like Insert the Soleil, they have really good balance because they have good separation between the toe. But for the most part, everyone's big toe is kind of crushed like this, and then bunion forms. And that's really hard to do the exercises I'm about to show you, if you're used to this like eight to 12 hours a day, right? So in my kin stretch class, the simplest thing that I get people to do is like, okay, we're gonna lift our big toe up while the rest stay on the ground and back down. And it's literally just this one big toe going down and up, down and up, down and up. And you'd be surprised how many people can't do this lifting just their big toe while the rest stay down and back down right so right away when i see people not able to do this i already know that their gait must be messed up because they can't actively control that big toe um and like if you think about it from the side view that big toe like look at how much activation i'm getting into my arch like that's a lot and if that big toe can't move freely, then this arch is not gonna be working the way it should. Um, and now uh, another variation from that is that the big toe stays up all the rest come up and back down, up, back down, up, back down. A lot of people have trouble moving the rest of their digits independently from that big toe. A lot of times when I see this, they bring up all their toes, but I physically want people to keep that big toe down and to keep the rest of the toes going down and up down and up right from there my next progression is all the toes come up towards the ceiling and just the big toe goes down and then back up just the big toe goes down back up and then the next progression is all the toes again up towards the ceiling but the rest of the digits so like the pinky toe to that uh, toe right beside the big toe go down to the ground and back up down to the ground back up now our feet should be pretty dexterous and like the next progression that I work on quite a bit is having all the toes up and aiming for one toe to go to the ground at a time. Kind of like if I was on a piano with my toes, I'm trying to go pinky, next toe, next toe, the next toe, and the big toe go last. Now, these movements or exercises should be quite simple for our feet, but you know seeing this in action um, in my class not a lot of people can do it and some people can do one out of four and the rest are just terrible they have a lot of a lot of trouble doing that so now imagine if you don't have full control of your feet they're kind of just there they're not really doing anything for you so now when it comes to any kind of stabilization on one leg Meaning, single leg deadlifts, lunges, step ups, any single leg exercise, even think of deadlifts and um, squats, anything two-legged, running, walking, all those activities of your lower extremities are required to have full functioning feet and toe, uh, mobility, activation, everything. So if that's not working, something up the chain is going to compensate for it AKA your ankle, your knee, your hip, your low back, right? And a lot of times people will have those issues where like their knee hurts and they can't figure out why and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it comes down to their feet, right? And um, we haven't really talked about the ankle because the ankle also influences a lot of movement too. So the big thing um, with having adequate feet is also that ankle. So... We're gonna get into ankles a little bit. So remember how I was talking about how the bottom of your foot has a lot of uh, fascia and soft tissue, and it can get really, really stiff. Most likely, if that bottom of the foot is super stiff, the ankle is super, super stiff too. So um, I'm gonna tilt this camera down and we can talk about ankle mobility. So if you look at my foot, man, my feet are so white and pale. I'm like Casper the Friendly Ghost here. Um, the ankle itself you need adequate let me tilt this up a little bit adequate dorsiflexion meaning i should be able to drive my knee as far forward as possible without my heel popping up in order for me to like squat lunge and things like that walk run sprint adequately but a lot of times if people have toe mobility issues, activation, the bottom of the foot is super tight, and all the fascia that comes in the back here and in the front that wraps around, it's also going to be tight. So a lot of times when I check people's feet, their ankle mobility is also super, super tight. So when I check dorsiflexion, it gets kind of stuck here. And most of those people will have some sort of deficiency when it comes to running, walking, whatever. So now I know that if I can fix the foot, it'll influence the ankle. If I influence the ankle it's going to influence the foot it's kind of like a yin and yang type of situation here um so sometimes all it is is just working on ankle mobility exercises ankle cars um pails and rails in this uh, situation rolling the crap out of like the soleus and gastroc of the back because sometimes the calf is super tight i think for the most part a lot of uh people's calves are super tight and they need a lot of work so sometimes it's just a soft tissue thing and more of like a neuromuscular control thing because sometimes when people do um those toe exercises i showed earlier in my class sometimes it's like they're they they can not connect their brain to their feet and it's just kind of like waking shit up again and that's why those little exercises work tenfold. And I've seen the progression, because I've been doing kin stretch um, at our gym for close to a year now. and The people that have been really um, religious about it are now seeing the benefits. And I think it's those small little things that add up over time. And are, it's always the small things that people overlook. And it goes to show, just like anything in life, if you continually do the small things, they'll add up over time to a big thing, right? So I'm gonna leave it at that. That's a lot of information. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Start doing your toe intrinsics. That's what they're called, toe intrinsic exercises. It's gonna help a lot and it might come in handy, you know? Next time you drop a pencil, pen, whatever, you pick it up with your feet. It'll be like that episode in the office when Dwight was trying to practice 10 minutes a day with his feet to do everyday items and then spilled all the coffee on him. Let me know if you have any questions feel free to reach out hit the show notes if you're listening hit the show notes to watch the video because there's a lot of um good demos and um or do the cliff notes cheat where you go to my uh post about the toes and it'll help a lot uh, thank you thank you thank you guys show notes again add me on facebook and instagram i post a lot of video and photo stuff i love you guys until next time